The Fake Show Podcast is brought to you by the law firm of Hutchison & Stefan, the Tone Factory Recording Studios in Las Vegas, the Craft House Brewery, Moonshot.com, Mr. Antenna, and Banger Brewing in downtown Las Vegas. It's The Fake Show with Jim Toffey. Well, author and director Andrew Bennett's new book chronicles the 200-plus days that he spent in the studio with Van Halen from 2004 to 2007. In fact, Andrew got on so well with Eddie Van Halen that he ended up living at the legendary 5150 studio for quite a while. How he met Eddie, the gunplay, and Ed's relationship with the guys in the band... Well, it's all in the book as I welcome Andrew Bennett, who I believe I've got on the line right now in Los Angeles. All right. Andrew, how are you, sir? Good, Jen. How you doing? Oh, fantastic. Thank you, and congratulations on the book. I know it's it, it's gotten a lot of great publicity the last uh, few weeks. Very grateful for that. How is it that you would know Eddie Van Halen in the first place before actually uh, moving into the studio and living there for quite a while? Well, I met him originally in 04. Um, I was trying to get my foot in the door directing music videos and a record producer named Glenn Ballard had met me and kind of wanted to help me out a bit. So for about a year, I traveled with Katy Perry. Yeah. I kind of learned how to direct music videos with Katy Perry. And then Katy went on to, you know, become Katy. Yeah. <laughs> Glenn went to go work with Van Halen and... Eddie was in the studio one night, frustrated with some band members. I know that should come as a shock to Van Halen fans. <laughs> right. And, uh, <laughs> and he simply said to Glenn, I wish there, I can never say Eddie's dialogue without doing my Eddie impression. I wish there was somebody here to document my side of this. <laughs> the only thing I had done at that point was really a documentary on Deftones, a more hard rock band. That documentary, according to the record label, was dark and depressing, which to this day I take as a compliment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was Deftones. What do you want? He showed the trailer to Eddie, and Eddie said, I like him. Call him. And Glenn said, I'll give him a call tomorrow, man. You know, because it's 3 o'clock in the morning. Eddie said, I didn't say call him tomorrow. I said call him now. <laughs> <laughs> so when Glenn hesitated again, Eddie simply said, give me the phone. I'll call him. So my phone rang at 3 o'clock in the morning. I saw Glenn's number. I answered it, and I said hello, and all I heard was, Andrew Bennett? I said, yeah. He goes, it's Ed. I said, Ed who? And he said, very direct, Eddie Van Halen. Hi, Eddie Van Halen. He said, what are you doing right now? And you just can't tell a rock star you're in bed. There's just something lame about that. (laughs) Right. I just said nothing. And he said, good, come up here. I want to talk to you. So I drove up to 5150, which is Eddie's property, which is in the middle of the Hollywood Hills. No neighbors, no nothing. Just this dark part of the Hollywood Hills. How do you find it? It it seems like the type of thing that wouldn't... Actually, back then, was there even GPS to, to find your way up there on a dark night? No, it was described as when you cross Mulholland and you're coming down the really steep hill... And then you see a really sharp turn to your left, cross the oncoming traffic and go up that steep hill, which I should have seen as a metaphor for what would be life at 5150. (laughs) Steep hills, dodging traffic. So I went up there and Glenn Ballard came out. He hugged me. And then he just said, good luck, man. And then he left. Oh, man. Ed comes out. 
And, you know, in 2004, you know, Ed had this kind of like samurai ponytail on top of his head. And he looked a little bit like Gollum from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> no shirt on. He had some pants held together with a big giant piece of rope and some combat boots that were held together with duct tape. That just sounds like the type of guy you'd see on a, an episode of Cops or something. Very much. Very much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to remember that. That's a really good way to describe it. <laughs> and all he did was walk up to me and he goes, so you're Andrew Bennett. And I said, so you're Eddie Van Halen. And he said, the last time I checked, you drink? And I said, yeah. He goes, good, let's go have some wine. And he went in the kitchen, he popped his bottle of wine. I asked him, where do I grab a glass? And he laughed at me, held up the bottle and said, it comes in a glass. <laughs> then we sat there for about two hours, passing bottles of wine back and forth and just talking about this and that and the other. And he goes, all right, I'm going to go to bed. You should come back tomorrow. And then I came back the next day and I was there for a couple of weeks in 04. And I documented uh, the recording of a couple of new tracks and Sammy Hagar had come up a couple of times. You know, and then they went off and did the tour. And then in 06, it was made clear to me that Michael Anthony was no longer in the band. And then he had been replaced with a 15-year-old kid. Eddie, you know, just wanted to document it. He didn't really want a movie or anything like that. He just, you know, just for posterity. Um, and again, he just wanted people to see how hard he works. He's in that studio 18 hours a day. I know about his work ethic, but I'm just wondering what happened between him and Michael Anthony. Uh, I think it goes back to work ethic from what I can garner is, okay. you know, um, I mean, according to Eddie, Mike Lanthony hasn't played bass on a Van Halen record since the first one. So Eddie, I believe, <sighs> holds a little animosity there that he's playing bass on all of these records. Wow. And, um, you know, and I think there was probably some financial disagreements or whatever happens amongst bands, but Ed had had enough of Mike and decided, I bet I can teach my 15-year-old kid how to play the bass. And that and then that 15-year-old kid came in and learned that entire Van Halen catalog in what seemed like a week. I guess the genes are strong in that family, right? There is something in that DNA, man. There's the story that uh, is in your coffee table book, which is called Eruption in the Canyon, about Eddie actually uh, pulling a gun on Fred Durst of Limp Biscuit, which doesn't upset a lot of people, but I'm just wondering what <laughs> led up, what led up to this. So I was in LA and I saw Fred Durst at a coffee shop and, you know, I was young and I was trying to get my foot in the door with music videos and, you know, Fred Durst is probably a good guy to go say hi to. I'd worked a lot. I'd done, I'd done a lot of work with Deftones up to that point. And I knew that Fred was good friends with Deftones and he liked the band. So that was kind of my icebreaker to introduce myself. And then Fred said, so what do you do? What are you up to now? And I said, well, it's kind of hard to explain. But <laughs> I'm filming Eddie Van Halen uh, up at 5150. And he goes, oh, yeah? Tell Ed I said hi. And then much like Glenn Ballard, he just walked away. <laughs> I was like, you know, if you're Fred Durst and you're telling people that Eddie, you're telling, you know, you to say hi. And then he said, yeah, Ed jammed with us once. And then you should have seen the look of confusion on my face. Did you just tell me that Eddie Van Halen played with you? And he walked away. And I went up to 5150 later and I saw Ed and I said, hey, Ed, I ran into Fred Durst today. <laughs> he didn't miss a beat. He goes, oh, yeah? He told you I jammed with him once, didn't he? <laughs> I said, yeah, he did tell me that. And he goes, 
He didn't tell you the rest, did he? <laughs> There's more? And Ed proceeded to tell me how he went over there to this house that they practice in, and he brought all of his own gear because this shouldn't come as a shock to anybody, but Eddie Van Halen is not going to plug into your rig. Eddie mm-hmm. Van Halen brings all of his own stuff, cables, everything. And apparently somebody in the house started to smoke weed, and Eddie does not like weed, doesn't want to see it, doesn't want to smell it, wants nothing to do with it. And so he told me, he goes, yeah, they started smoking weed and was getting me a little contact high, so I just left. But I forgot all my stuff. So he told me he called Fred Durst three times. He never got a call back. So one day he decided that he's just going to go over there and get it himself. So Ed jumped into this assault vehicle. <laughs> it looks like a Hummer, but it's about twice as big. Yeah. All black. It's bulletproof. And it takes up about two lanes. So he drove that thing through Beverly Hills, parked it on the lawn of the house, went up to the door, and when Fred answered the door, he told me that he put a gun to Fred's head and asked him, where's my stuff? Was some of that stuff the uh, the Frankenstrat guitar, or did he bo- even bother to bring that over there? I didn't run a gear list with him, but I wouldn't be surprised. He yeah. Frankenstrat a lot. Right. And so... So I guess Fred turned around and started to, you know, kind of tell his crew or whoever to go get Eddie's stuff. And Eddie drove the point home to Fred more by saying, I didn't call them. I called you. (laughs) And then he stood on that front lawn as Fred Durst went back and forth and loaded Eddie's gear into a military (laughs) assault vehicle. (laughs) Now that I wish we had documented on video. That would have been... uh... A great thing to see. <laughs> I'll tell you this: you should you should reach out to Fred Durst because when the story came out last week, Fred Durst contacted me. <laughs> he, was, he said, "Man, he goes that story was almost right. The only difference is not everybody was smoking weed, just our DJ." That was his only correction <laughs> to the story. And he did tell me he goes, "If you want to see the footage, we've got it all on camera on their security cameras." Oh my gosh! Well, it's a great story. One. One of many in your book, it's Eruption in the Canyon, now available on eruptioninthecanyon.com is where you can get it. Andrew, good luck. It was great talking to you, buddy. Thanks, man. Good talking to you. All right, bye-bye. So many great stories in this book, and the photos are killer as well. Once again, check out the book at eruptioninthecanyon.com. That is going to do it for this episode of The Fake Show. I'm Jim Tofty, and I'll see you back here next time. Take The Fake Show on the road by listening on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, and thefakeshow.com.